Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 54 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirakitani, Halloween edition. I'm Andy <laughs> Hamilton, coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa. Joined on the phone, as always, by my main man, David Mirakitani. David, how are you? Happy Halloween, sir. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. So we have uh, the college season. It gets real this week, David. I know. NWCA All-Star Classic. <laughs> yeah. Live Sunday on track wrestling. Some other stuff uh, going to be going on around the country. Uh, David, it's fun. Now, It's uh, we've been talking wrestling all spring, summer, uh, fall along, talking about college wrestling. Now we get to talk about it being real. Exciting stuff, uh, high school season, uh, certainly about to get kicked off too, but we've had plenty of preseason stuff going on as well. Preseason nationals right down the block from me here in Cedar Falls. We can talk about that later, but uh, David, the the stuff that we're going to be keeping our eye on throughout the week, the NWCA All-Star Classic, uh, looking up and down the matchups there, and there's some good ones. Really good ones. What, yeah. what do you have your eye on going on Sunday in Princeton? I, I think, you know, not, I don't think this is, you know, a shock. I think the Zahid Valencia Mark Hall match is exciting. Um, I think there's a lot of them. I mean, like, th- that one kind of jumps off the page. I mean, I think what's under the radar, you know, Colin Moore and Jared Hot, one and two, you know, you don't necessarily, you know, because neither one of those guys were in the finals last year. Uh, yeah, and I think, I think Gross. And uh, Stevan Misich is a really interesting match from a um, stylistic point of view. Uh, I, got, I ran into Chris Bono at Iowa State um, a couple weeks ago, and he said Gross is already, you know, working his way through these different scrambles and, you know, what he needs to do differently just to score. And, you know, he can attack legs, but he's, you know, obviously really good at counterattacking and, and riding. And... You know, Misa is much more of a freestyle, get-to-legs kind of guy. So I think that'll be really interesting. And I, I think there's – we don't know about all these scramble rules, how it's going to – like, I think there's situations that are going to be really difficult for referees to call. I think this will be our first look at that and uh, watch the evolution of that as, as the season goes on. Yeah, let's take a run through the matchups. 125 pounds with the track wrestling rankings included – Number one, Darian Cruz versus number four, Nick Piccinini. 133, number one, Seth Gross versus number two, Stevan Micic. Num- at 141 pounds, we're going to get to see another Kevin Jack, Bryce Meredith <laughs> matchup. The former college teammates at North Carolina State. Jack still there, ranked number two, taking on number three, Bryce Meredith of Wyoming at 149 pounds. Number three, Max Thompson of Northern Iowa against Number six, Matthew Kolodzik of Princeton, 157 pounds. Number eight, Alec Pantaleo of Michigan versus number nine, B.J. Claggan of Ryder. 165, number five, Chad Walsh of Ryder uh, versus Jonathan Jonathan Schliefer of Princeton. Uh, So a couple local connections right there. Uh, As you mentioned, number one, Mark Hall versus number three, Zahid Valencia. A couple guys that were in the Junior World Finals. 22 pounds apart this summer. They're going to meet back in the middle at 174. Hall, the two-time Junior World champion, Zahid Valencia, Junior World silver medalist this year. That's going to be a lot of fun. 
184, Pete Renda of North Carolina State coming off red shirt against number four, Drew Foster of Northern Iowa. As David mentioned, number one, Colin Moore of Ohio State versus number two, Jared Hott of Virginia Tech at 197. And then at heavyweight, number three, Tanner Hall versus number four, Nick Nevels. Tanner Hall of Arizona State, Nick Nevels of Penn State. So, uh, yeah, David, lots of uh, interesting stuff going on there. I think uh, good to see, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be at Princeton. There's a couple Princeton guys yeah. there right down the road. There's, uh, you know, his writer. There's going to be a couple writer guys in it. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of local flavor there is from a attendance standpoint. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I hope, so. you know, that's smart they have those guys in there. Um, Joe Dubuque was on the show last year, and I think they're really doing cool things up there. And um, it's they got some great matchups when you look at the numbers. You know, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the ten matchups are guys in. You know, both guys are in our top four. So you know, and then the other ones are where you have a three and a six. You know, that's an awfully good one too. You just have a couple where they, like you said, they got some local guys in there, and I think that makes sense. Um, you know, the other thing that's that's weird about this is this duel does not count for seating purposes, or these matches, excuse me, don't count for seating purposes uh, at the NCAA tournament, correct? Correct. Yeah, but I think they'll count for ranking purposes if we watch them wrestle, right? So, um, I think everybody pretty much will. We'll take that stuff into account. It's not like anybody's going to, you know, forget what happened here Sunday. Right. So, um, you know, it's a chance for a shakeup at the top right away, you know, at a lot of these weights. So, um, yeah, I mean, like we've had a couple things pop up, uh, you know, like, you know, like some red shirts and some injuries and things like that. But, you know, we're going to just, you know, make those changes after the first week in a competition. So, um, you know, we've talked about this before, but rankings are very fluid. And the cool thing about wrestling is you ultimately get to prove it, you know, on the mat. All you got to do is get in, get to the dance, and then you know the best, the guy that wrestles the best wins. One of the things we're doing this week on track wrestling, you can you can check this out throughout the week. We're going to have uh, matches like some of the top matches from uh, recent history at the All Star Classic. Going to be replaying those. Uh, one of them that's up right now: Kyle Dake versus David Taylor in 2012. David, a lot of hype going into that match. Yeah. Uh, so cool to see. Uh, you know, that was the year Dake was going for his fourth title at four different weights. And uh, Taylor uh, coming off a Hodge Trophy. I, if I, memory serves me correct, I think he won the Hodge Trophy the year before. And so uh, uh, a dominant run for, for David Taylor. And he's coming up to 165 where, where Kyle Dake uh, yeah, or actually, it was Kyle Dake coming up to 165 yeah, in David up, Taylor's territory. Yeah, he went up to get him. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah, that was pretty cool in itself, just seeing a guy put it on the line like that. You know, a guy that, uh, you know, was fully committed to going up and, and uh, you know, not shying away from competition. That's pretty cool. What do you remember about that match? You know – I think Taylor's got this style that's really, like, if you love wrestling, you love his style. He's scoring points. I think Taylor always beat guys that weren't as good as him or Dake way worse, it felt like. Or he yeah. did so in a more spe- – I mean, I think the points are that way, but also in a more spectacular way. I mean, I remember the year that that same season, I guess it was in March, when Dake beat Taylor to be the champion – 
Taylor actually outscored him team point wise because of all the bonus points he had along the way. Um, it's kind of a weird rivalry because usually like a rivalry is when both sides win, you know, and it's, it's, you know, in college and afterwards it's been really, it's one sided. Um, but David Taylor's got a really unique style, a really exciting style, and he's really done a great job of marketing himself. And you know, he's changed his body completely here recently to get up to 86 kilos. And, um, you know, the way the weight classes are working out on that international level, it seems like these guys can kind of be, you know, on the same side against instead of being against each other. But I remember at the time, you know, a lot of people were like, you know, man, is this when Taylor finally breaks through? And I remember a lot of people wondering, okay, now that this match has happened, will Dake stay up? Was this just a one-time thing? And I think that's, you know, whether or not you're a fan of, of, of Dake's style, you, you got to give the guy major props for going up and going right into, you know, into a weight class that was probably more difficult and to, and to take that task on with that pressure. It, 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 he's a really impressive kid. Yeah, it wasn't just uh, David Taylor that year. There's, you know, Tyler Caldwell was in that weight class. There were some other guys that uh, were strong competitors as well. And and uh, if if you remember, David, that's the year that they changed the NCAA finals order just to put that one last. It's the first time that that had ever been done. Yeah, that's right. We've seen that seen that done ever since. So, uh, yeah, that was really cool. Another one that really sticks out to me. And, you know, when I think of the All-Star Classic, the first match that I think of is Ironside Colot. And maybe, you know, maybe the you know, one of the greatest college matches of all time in Carver-Hawkeye Arena, 1996, uh, I believe, was the year on that one. And, uh, you know, pretty cool story behind it, David. I, I think, uh, you know, and I've, I asked Mark Ironside to tell me this story about maybe once a year, maybe once every other <laughs> year, just because – yeah, I've I've heard it from him about five times, and it never gets old. But uh, well, tell me, I've know, never heard it. So he tells a story about, and it's more a story about how, like how Gable could, back in the day, like Gable could brainwash these guys, and and they had a dual meet. I think it was either against Wisconsin or Michigan State uh, conference dual meet. Maybe it's Illinois uh, on a Friday night, and the All Star Classic was the following Monday in Carver Hawkeye Arena. This is back when the All Star Classic was, I think, on the calendar in January, about mid-season. And uh, Ironside said that there had been no mention of Colot inside, uh, you know, with, with dialogue between him and Cable up, okay. up until up until the Saturday morning after that dual meet, that Big Ten dual meet. And Ironside told me in his head, he's, he's thinking, and at, at this point, you know, to give perspective, Kerry Colot was 11-0 with 11 pins. And I, if, I think... Nobody had made it out of the first period against him to that point in the season. So he's pretty good at wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And so Ironside said, uh, you know, that Gable said coming in on Saturday morning, um, Ironside in his mind was thinking, you know, I, I'm probably not going to beat this guy, but I need to find out where I'm at. And, uh, you know, kind of a interesting uh, admission from somebody as accomplished as Mark Ironside that, you know, they tells that part of the story. But, uh uh, Saturday morning he comes in and Gable was so incredibly positive with him. It was Ironside when we beat Colot. Ironside, here's how you will beat Colot. Yeah. It wasn't if, it was when and how. Yeah. And uh, Mark told me that from 
in, in like 48 hours from Saturday morning until Monday morning when they rolled the mats out in Carver Hawkeye Arena. Yeah, uh, he walked down the tunnel with his brother and stood in the center of the mat in Carver Hawkeye Arena Monday morning. Nobody in the arena, and he looks up and he tells his brother, "Right here is where I'm going to beat Kerry Colott tonight." So, uh, the match goes down uh, incredibly fast-paced match. Uh, it's all out there on YouTube. If you get a chance, go check it out. Yeah, people so. post it's, it on Facebook every month. Yeah, 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 it's so entertaining. Just how fast the pace was, how much action there was. Comes down to the end, um, Ironside gets a takedown with, like, I think 20 seconds to go, rides him out to win by one. I think, like, a 9-8 match or 8-7, something along those lines. And and uh, Ironside slapped Gable's hand coming off the mat. And I think there were five Hawkeyes in the dual meet. And so uh, uh, Ironside didn't get a chance to talk to Gable the next day. Or, or, or that night after after the meet. He, yeah. he was looking forward to 3.30 the next afternoon when when they sit in the stands inside the Iowa wrestling yeah. room. And, yeah. and Gable Gable takes inventory. He goes down through the order. And, uh, you know, he goes on about Mike Mena's match that night. Um, two, three, four, five minutes. Uh, goes on to Jeff McGinnis and his match. Uh, same thing, several minutes. And Ironside says he's sitting up there in the stands, you know, with his chest out, waiting to hear what Gable has to say. <laughs> and he says, Ironside, nice job. Zadik, and moved right, on to, <laughs> moved right on to Bill Zadik. So that was Gable's way of kind of bringing him back down to earth and, and looking uh, forward to the, the next task at hand. But uh, It's also the ultimate you know, compliment, right? Like, hey, I expected you to win. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, maybe it's maybe – he brought him back to earth, but also like, hey, Andy, great article. Like, well, you're, that's what you do. You write great articles. You know, like, I think that's almost like, hey, I told you you were going to win since Saturday, and you went out and did it. Next. You know, it's, yeah. the psychology is really, really interesting there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, you know, some other things on the card Saturday or Sunday as well. There's going to be ten, 10 women's matches as well going on at the same time. Uh, and, and there's some heavy hitters on the women's side too, David. Don yeah. Parrish, Megan Black, Kayla Miracle going to be stepping on the mat uh, in succession, 123, 130, 136 pounds. Those are three U23 world team members going to be competing uh, in November in Poland at the U23 World Championships at 143 pounds. Mallory Velti, uh, she was a senior world team member this year. So exciting stuff happening on the women's uh, end of things as well. Uh, certainly we're seeing a lot of growth uh, from women's wrestling. You know, yeah. you beat the streets. Uh, duel the other day out in L.A. with uh, the United States against Japan. And, uh, you know, I mentioned preseason nationals uh, but, uh, this past weekend. We're seeing numbers uh, growing in that. I think, uh, you know, we're – inching closer to to the day where we're seeing more and more states grabbing hold of women's wrestling at the high school level and and it becoming uh you know sanctioned at, at more states across the country it uh fastest growing high school sport in the country and uh, the advancements that are being made in college women's wrestling and, and women's wrestling as a whole it's it's exciting stuff yeah for sure and i'm looking at this card and you know you know you always kind of like you taught me storylines like there's 
three, four kids in here from, you know, my neck of the woods, Missouri Valley, McKendry, Lindenwood, Belleville, another McKendry girl. I mean, that's, you know, the Midwest here. I know that the Fargo teams on the women's side this year from Missouri had more All-Americans this past summer than they had ever combined. And uh, my friend Scott Cutbirth is, is uh, one of the key guys in making that happen. So, I mean, it's it, I, I get to keep my finger on the pulse of that a lot through him. And it, it's cool watching women's wrestling. Not only the numbers progress, but the, the skill level progress. Yes, absolutely. Um, like, you know, you watch um, – you, know, you watch the best women in the world, and you don't think to yourself, well, okay, but you're just like, wow. You know, like, that's great wrestling, period. You know, like you watch, you know, um, like one of the things I want to try to get on next summer, if I can, is try to get like a Trisha Saunders, Helen Maroulis joint interview. Like, the, you know, from the beginning, the genesis to where we are now. And just, but when you watch like Helen Spar, you watch her compete, you're not like, she's good for a girl. You know, and I think for yeah. a while that's kind of what people said. You know, like, well, they're good for girls. Like, now it's like she's just amazing, period. Like, yep. she, she's great at wrestling. Yep, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I think back to uh, 2012 in the Olympic trials uh, and then 2016 in the Olympic trials, and it was night and day in terms of skill level. I mean, there was, you know, there were some girls back in 2012 that were doing some high-level stuff, uh, but they were making the team. You know, you know, the women that were making the team in 2016, or, or there were women in 2016 that weren't making the team. Yeah. And they were doing high-level stuff. Yeah, the depth. So, the depth has gotten absolutely, better. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Across the board, absolutely, the, the skill level's gotten a lot better. And, uh, you know, it's been been exciting to see. And you mentioned Marulis, and I, I think we talked about it coming off the World Championships. And, and you know, it's, it's been really cool to see her evolution as a wrestler where she goes from uh, – being a, a, a pretty good technician in 2015, and then this year you add being an exceptional technician with uh, just being physically better than everybody. I mean, physically stronger and, you know, manhandling uh, her opponents on top of just beating them with, uh, you know, with such incredible skill. That's why you see 53-0 or 52-0, whatever it yeah. was, uh, you know, in Paris. Just truck driving people, and and she yep. wins so many different ways. You know, it's not like she's got a sweep single and nobody can stop it. It's you know like, and that's what you see like, um, you know like the like you know like Mark Hall last year in the you know a year ago in the finals of the world's takedown leg lace four times over. This year cement job, like you know really like almost opposite techniques, right? And just world level good at, at multiple things, and yep. it's. I talked to a guy who I really, really respect about wrestling, and he said, he goes, you know, women's wrestling is good for wrestling. He goes, but honestly, 10 years ago, he goes, it was terrible. He goes, we just had to tolerate it. And I'm not saying I agree with that, and I'm not going to name him, but I think his opinion is was not uncommon. And now you, you just, you're like, women's wrestling is awesome. You know, I mean, you watch the trials, and, you know, you're like, and you watch the world level, and you watch – the skill level, and in some ways, it's almost like watching um, MMA. Like the little, the, the lower weights are more, you know, sometimes more skilled because they just can't plant their feet and knock you out. And it's sort of the same thing in wrestling. There's because everybody's so agile, and, and women generally have better flexibility than men. It's it's there's so much athleticism that the technique 
and the strategy and the tactics are just continue to to escalate and and that's good for it's good for the sport of wrestling as a whole it's actually great for men's wrestling because it helps with title nine and it helps that people of both genders can really appreciate our great sport i think that's you know really the bottom line on all of this you know more people participate more people get the lessons that you learn from being involved in wrestling absolutely absolutely well like i said kickoff uh Weekend is coming up this weekend in college wrestling. David, anything else you'll have your eye on this weekend on the NCAA side of things aside from the All-Star Classic? Yeah, I think what – I mean, you know, this is when open tournaments start happening, right? So, you know, you keep an eye on stuff, and, you know, this is where uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, you know, I nerd out and put all the notes on the Google document, and you and our buddies proof, you know, proofread me and make sure I didn't miss anything, and then – we make our adjustments, so um, this is the the nerd routine for the next 17 weekends for me. So, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's something I enjoy, and uh, it's you know, th- this has been you know an interesting experience, like you know, talking to you about all this stuff because we started, you know, really like just about a year ago when we started talking, and it was just the college stuff. And I felt really comfortable with that because, you know, I followed that. And then we get, you know, you kind of helped me along in the spring and the summer. And we come back to this college stuff. And, um, you know, I almost feel better prepared because I feel, you know, more well-rounded with all the other things that you've kind of helped me with in in the spring and summer, talking about all these other places and and going and covering junior duels and talking to you from overseas. And, you know, I almost feel like in a weird way I'm better prepared to talk about the stuff this season just – through the experiences I've had with you and track wrestling in the last 12 months. So I'm really looking forward to this year. And I, I, you know, I think we'll be able to put an even better product out on the website and on the podcast. Well, since our last episode of weighing in, you've been on the road a little bit. You went up to Ames for agony and Ames. Uh, you were in the corner for some matches up there. You had a chance to visit uh, with, Derek St. John, Brent Metcalf, Iowa State assistants, uh, Matt Chat, interview with them. David, fill us in on, uh, fill the audience in on the trip to Ames, everything that you got to see and do up there. Yeah, um, I got the chance to sit in the corner for Savion Severado and DJ Shannon. Um, uh, They were kind of, and then Scott Casper was kind enough to have us on his show um, with Takedown Radio. Um, So it's really cool weekend they're great kids um one of them lost in overtime and one of them lost four to three uh but you know both wrestled really good kids and you know they you know they they learned a lot i haven't been around those kids when they lost so it was interesting to watch them react and uh their um their mentality and their maturity was was impressive you know when we talked to them on sunday uh you know what they're going to work on to improve and uh you know, Hector Gomez ran a great event. You know, it's it's an event I always, you know, compare it to what I know. It's an event similar to Border Brawl, so I know how much work goes into that. And uh, he had some good matchups. Some really good kids were up there. Um, you know, the matches were, were good. You know, a lot of close ones. The main event was a great match with Joey Dance and Earl Hall. And um, we, you know, Kevin Dresser was kind enough to set up the match chat with uh, the two assistants that you spoke of. And you know these Iowa guys. Like, you know, we spoke off air, and you have relationships with these guys. And it was much like talking to Terry Brands the first time where, 
the only reason I got that interview was because you set it up. You have your own preconceived notion of these guys. And I, I literally, as I'm saying this, I'm putting my hands to my head like, you know, like somebody can see me. But, I mean, I had my, uh, you know, a vision of these guys. And they're not – it was wrong. Like, they were – they're not scary. Like, Brent Metcalf <laughs> seems really scary in a good way. Like, he's just an intense dude. And I'm not saying he can't be scary. And I'm not saying it wouldn't have been scary to wrestle him. But he was a really cool guy. You know, um, St. John was more like what I thought he would be. Really, you know, and you know this better than I do, but really laid back. Um, The thing I sensed about Derek St. John is his relationship with kids is really important to him. Um, You know, that he wants to have quality relationships with those guys. And I got a chance to ask them questions about, the parts of the coaching process that they're looking to improve on and how um, Kevin Dresser has mentored them in those areas. And those, those answers were really interesting. And, you know, I don't know if we, if you want me to talk about it, but it was crazy how close uh, Brent Metcalf came to not actually being at Iowa state. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. So, you know, I ask him that question, you know, like, you know, what brought you here? You had the job at USA Wrestling, the one that Kevin Jackson's in now. And, you know, he said that that was a great job, that, you know, he was going to work with Zadik and, you know, USA Wrestling, you know, but he – Bill Zadik. Bill Zadik, clar- I said it wrong. Clarity's yeah, sake, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, no, you said you, – you just said Zadik, and we're talking about Mike Zadik and Bill Zadik. Yeah, so correct. For clarity's sake, yeah. Yeah, for yep. sure. Mike's at Iowa State and Bill's at USA Wrestling. So, you know, he knew he would – but he said, he goes, you know, I knew that – you know, Bill and those guys had things under control. I knew that I would probably eventually move on. And he goes, I'm literally had my car packed up and I'm getting ready to leave. And I get the call. And I said to him, I go, what would have happened if they called you two days later? He goes, I don't know. I don't think I'd have came back. So it goes to show you either have everybody's name and number programmed into your phone or answer phone calls and numbers you don't know because it can change <laughs> your life. <laughs> so... You know, um, a buddy of mine, the other assistant coach from uh, CBC High School went with me on the trip, and he sat in, you know, helped me with the camera and stuff for the the podcast. And, you know, he was quiet, just watched. And when we left and we went over to the arena for the the competition, he goes, that's insane how close that was to not happening. I'm like, yeah. Um, I'm always surprised and uh, happily surprised with doing these interviews and podcasts, whatever you want to call them, you always learn one or two things that you just completely out of left field. And um, that that was crazy because the other thing I think at Iowa State is the energy is on – you can feel the energy on that campus that, you know, Iowa State is – you know, they're going to be back. And then the football team is killing people, which is, you know, that helps the energy level of the campus too. So – um, I think Coach Dresser said they're, they're, they're good luck for the wrestling. The football team is the wrestling, you know, the new coaching staff is uh, bringing <laughs> a lot of good luck to the football team. So, um, yeah, it was a fun trip, though. And, you know, I, that's where I started out in college. So it was kind of fun to go back there as well. Well, you got a chance uh, up there to see A.J. Ferrari up close and in person. And, and I got that opportunity this past Saturday uh, at preseason nationals. David, sophomore from Texas. Wrestled at 195 pounds the other day. Uh, super impressive. Uh, yeah. 
you know, lots of uh, different ways he can score. Um, one of the one of the things that uh, impressed me, he's uh, his finals match in the uh, freshman sophomore division. Uh, they went out of bounds with like six seconds to go, and he's he's up 13-4. He's got his major locked up. Comes back to the center, motions to the ref, both up, and uh, so trying to get one more takedown in six seconds, and sure enough, fake, and then shot and finish and yeah you know, i thought that was pretty cool and you know he's out there going behind the back with single legs out there trying stuff uh you know and i had a chance to talk to him afterwards about uh just just his uh approach to wrestling and he, he talked about how uh you know he's a film junkie and goes on about how at, at lunchtime people say he's antisocial and, and he's like i talk to people in class but when i'm at lunch you know i get my phone up i'm watching video i'm watching wrestling video and so uh, certainly, he has a bright future in wrestling. What were your impressions of what you, you saw from him and Ames? Well, he wrestled a Kansas City kid, you know, so I know who that kid was. And, you know, he's a, he wrestled a really good kid, and he got behind early, and he just – his uh, demeanor, um, you know, his facial expression was really calm. And uh, so I, I noticed that right away. He kept his composure and came back and won. But it was funny – I didn't talk to you about this, you know, what I'm about to say. You know, a lot of times we talk about stuff off the air, but when we left Saturday morning to go do the interview, he was sitting in the office space in the lobby of the hotel watching film. When we came back after lunch, he was sitting in the office space watching film. And when we came back after dinner that night, like at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, he was sitting in the office space watching film. Jeez. So, like, this isn't something he's, you know, lying about. I don't want to say that word. He's telling the truth. You know, like, I saw it, and those guys were like, the guys that I was coaching, I'm like, what's he doing? And like, that kid just watches film all the time. He either watches film of himself or guys that he thinks can make him better. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and he was talking about watching uh... – you know, international guys, he's talking about watching, uh, you know, like I said, he went behind the back with a single leg finish, and, and he <laughs> said, yeah, I saw Nolf do that uh, yeah. a while back, and, you know, so he thought, well, maybe I'll try it, Start, just started drilling it here. and Student of the game. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah for yep. sure. So, so yeah. he was impressive, and, and you mentioned while we were on the topic, sort of, of Iowa State there, we're not too far down the path off off the uh, your time in Ames. Uh, Cyclones got some big news here in the last couple of weeks with the commitment of David Carr. That's one of the uh, big needle movers. Yeah, yeah. They're, and, ex- they're uh, excited about that. Yeah, yeah, and as they should be. Uh, just a fun kid to be around and exceptional wrestler as well. And, and you, you have the the lineage there, the heritage there with, uh, you know, his father Nate, uh, all-time great at Iowa State. And so a uh, huge gift for the Cyclones. Uh, some other things happening in the, the recruiting world. Mason Parrish, Mason Parrish going to uh, Michigan. Uh, so Michigan adds a big-time heavyweight to a class that already had Joey Silva and Cadet World Champion Will Lawan. That, that pretty recruiting young... class is great, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, they had a good recruiting class a year ago. You know, lots of guys going up to Fargo and doing well. And so, you know, you, you back those two classes up back-to-back. Uh, with a roster that uh, has some pretty good young talent on it as well, I think uh, you know M- Michigan positioning it, positioning itself to uh, 
you know, maybe make a run here where, you know, the Wolverines are going to be in that top five for, for some years to come. It's funny. A buddy of mine always talks to me about what topics you and I should kick around. And he said, sustained excellence at, at Michigan, you know, on the horizon. So, I, you know, he's dead on the nuts. They're like, you know, they got to go perform, but they certainly are putting the recruiting classes together. And like you said, I mean, they have senior leadership this year at heavyweight, but they got a lot in 97, but they got a lot of good guys that are young. I mean, you know, Mass is only a sophomore. You know, they've got other guys. Amin, Amin is young. You know, Misich is young. So they've got a nice Yeah, those blend. three guys you just named are all, for, are all sophomores. Yeah, yeah. You start uh, putting that lineup together with the, these two classes. Yeah, right. When those yeah. guys are seniors, that's going to be an unbelievable team. And yeah. that's good for wrestling, right? Like, it's not like, okay, it's, you know, Penn State, maybe Ohio State if they screw up, maybe Oklahoma State if they screw up, and then, you know, 70-something schools hoping. You know, like, I, I've been super impressed about the escalation of wrestling this summer. You know, Mark Perry goes, you know, the, these different recruits and transfers and things. You know, Eric Guerrero goes to Oklahoma. You know, the game just keeps stepping up. People are not backing down. They're, they're raising the bar and raising their game, and, you know, um, that's how it should be, right? You know, if, if you're doing something amazing and, and I'm trying – I sh- shouldn't ask you to slow down. I need to keep up and get to your level, and that's what's happening. So – and that's kind of what's interesting when I was – the other thing I was looking at, you know, I had the all-star matchups, you know, pulled up for the all- NWCA meet. How many different schools are represented in there? You know, yeah. it, I mean, that's that's impressive too, you know? So, yeah. Um, and uh, DJ Shannon from CBC committed to West Virginia, too, like literally an hour after the match. Um, like while he was in the car, he did it on Twitter. So that was interesting. So <laughs> You mentioned Michigan and you talk, uh, you said their senior leadership, uh, heavyweight 197. But, uh, you know, one of the things that was interesting this past week in wrestle-offs around the country, and, and there are a few things that, that caught my attention, but uh, – Jackson Strigo of uh, Michigan taken two straight against uh, All-American Kevin Beasley at 197 pounds. You know, Beasley, the, the graduate transfer of Mold Dominion, comes in and, uh, you know, as it looks on the surface, he's probably going to have to wait his turn or uh, uh, at least uh, find a way to get back in the lineup somehow or get in the lineup, I should say, crack that lineup. Um, so that's interesting. Also, uh, uh, Shields over Surtis at Arizona State. Yeah. I mean, uh, so you got a national champion uh, on the outside looking in right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to have tons of stuff like this to talk about in the weeks to come. But uh, we sort of got a chance to whet our appetite this past weekend. Yeah, and, and those two situations, I think, you know, you know I'm pretty close to people on both those coaching staffs. And um, the Arizona State people have been very, very happy with Maruka and Shields' um, growth and improvement this summer. So they felt like no matter which two or three guys they had at those weights, they were going to be in good hands. Um, and the other thing is, I think wrestle-offs are more for fans than they are for, like, coaches and the kids. Like, you might beat guys in tournaments that I can't beat, but I know how to beat you in practice. Like, I know how to stop your, yeah. you know. And so just because I can beat you doesn't mean I deserve to start. You know, and I think fans, like most of us just want one simple way to define things, right? Like in anything in life, just give me a simple way. Well, you know, most of life is complex and complicated. And, you know, who's the better, 
student, who's the better leader, who's the better this, then if everything else is equal, we'll go by who can beat who head to head. So, you know, I mean, those guys that won certainly put themselves in in the catbird seat, but they still got to go perform. And, you know, in that example, just because if I beat you two matches, you go out and win tournaments I'm taking fifth in, I'm pretty sure you're going to end up starting at the end of the year. And I don't think too many people would be upset about that. You know, you're trying to win matches at, at regionals or, you know, qualifiers and nationals, not in the room. You're trying to win singlet matches, not T-shirt and shorts matches. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Then one more thing, Trent Heidley going to North Carolina State, going to join his brother down there. So uh, the Wolfpack add uh, another top recruit there. So, David, anything else for this week? No, let's let's get it going. A college season wins. It's exciting. You know, all my high school coach buddies are, you know, this was the first week. Last week was dead week. They were all going crazy. So, uh, I mean, most guys wrestle all year round, but this is the season everybody focuses on. And uh, I get to I get to nerd out with you for the next 17 weeks. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. So, as David mentioned, we'll have uh, track wrestling rankings regular season rankings, week one rankings coming to you next week. And uh, we'll have lots of data to, to pour over over the course of the weekend. But uh, NWCA All-Star Classic coming to you Sunday on track wrestling. Uh, on Saturday, we'll have the Princeton Open streaming live and on demand on track wrestling, as well as the Monster Match Nationals. So, David... Thank you, as always, for your time. It's always my pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And we will be back next week for another episode of Weighing In.